Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Bros Pod, Bill Roden on Sports. We had a short turnaround. We were, of course, we were with you guys a couple days ago, uh, right before Game Three of the NBA Finals, and we all gave our predictions. Then, uh, we, you know, I think both of us were right. Nabate and I were right. Uh, my well, Nabate Isles <laughs> is in the house, of course. Bill, Bill is uh, in transit on the way to Oakland to check out Game Four. But what's up, Nabate? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Actually, I had double digit. Yeah, you were more right. Yeah, you were and, more right. And then Clay, it was funny. I said Clay was gonna play. Mm-hmm. He literally was gonna play. It was a last minute scratch. Yeah. completely last minute. So yeah, yeah. The, yeah remember the, the story was that he was begging to play, mm-hmm. uh, and then the coaches sat him out. And I guess their thinking is. You know, we're going to see, see if we can steal game three, but the, the most important game is going to be that game four. Yep. And if yep. we can get him even more healthy, give him, you know, another 48 hours rest, that made sense. It's hard to argue that, that strategy, mm-hmm. especially if he comes back looking somewhat healthy tonight. Yeah, it's important because you don't want to risk that, and, and it's going to be a long series. I don't think so. I think it ends in five, mm-hmm. but That's right. it's going to – it's going to – it could be long, yeah. so you have to, you know, especially if KD comes back, like it could extend. Yeah, depending on how he looks. Uh, we got a, a great show today. We, you know, we're going to talk quickly about the NBA, uh, maybe even a little free agency, maybe even a little French Open if we can sneak it in. Um, but later on, we're going to have we're going to be joined by uh, Deontay Wilder. You know, everybody's favorite heavyweight. <laughs> the heavyweight right. the heavyweight division is now uh, rejuvenated. A lot going on there, so he'll join us, and you know, he always has a lot to say. Very, <laughs> very. Uh, energetic, entertaining guy. And then even and then later after that, another another great guest, uh, Meta World Peace, Ron That's Artest. Right. That's right. Up in the house. New York City legend. What, what, what happened if those two fought? Uh <laughs> you know I mean what? you gotta go with if the it, boxer, right? If it was UFC style <laughs> Meta would do okay, but still that striking. Right, Deontay right. has that. Right. <laughs> we crazy. should ask them both. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I'm scared. I'm scared. <laughs> I don't want to get swung on through the phone. You know what <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, so we're gonna have, like I said, Deont- Deontay Wilder and then Meta World Peace coming up. Um, but quickly, NBA Finals. Uh, we were on, like I said, prior to Game Three. We see what happened. In game Three. Uh, Toronto wins pretty comfortably. Played very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're up two one. We got Game Four tonight. That's right. Um, we're recording Friday evening, so the game's in a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, another one was the Clay. Clay is, is definitely back. Yes, yes, okay. he's definitely playing. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So you know, we'll see what happens here. I mean, I, I'm think I'm leaning. Well, I'm not leaning. I'm I'm picking uh, Golden State to win this game. And I, I mean, I had I have Golden State in seven. That was my original pick coming into the series. Um, Mine before the playoffs. Right before the playoffs until KD got hurt. And right. Then I, and then, and then you jumped off the bandwagon, which is fine, which is fair. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got to pick what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So you, you went uh, Toronto in five. So you, you, so you got Toronto tonight. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be closer, though. Mm-hmm. It will be a close game mm-hmm. uh, for sure. But but I think Toronto, they're going to – I think the front court's going to continue to play well. I mean, Serge Ibaka, six blocks off the bench. That's the most in NBA playoff history, I believe. You know, mm. for, for someone to come off the bench with six blocks, that's never happened. So. Yeah, the guys like that are key. Like mm-hmm. Ibaka, obviously Pascal, Siakam. Siakam is, yep. And the thing is, they haven't 
they rarely, I guess they did it. They must have done it against Milwaukee, put back-to-back game, good, very good games. But they've been susceptible to little inconsistency during the playoffs. Of course, Milwaukee, they won four straight. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, they, <laughs> yeah, must have, yeah. they must have solved that a little bit against Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. That's but right. Pre, but prior to that against Philly, it was a question of like right. little inconsistency. And then they won the four straight against Orlando. But Orlando's right. not yeah. at the caliber yeah, of Philly, Milwaukee, or Golden State. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, I'm... Golden State, one thing, Golden State's uh, talking a big game. That that kind of was surprising to me that uh, Draymond Green was on the record basically saying, you know, laughing about it and we're going to win. Game. All we have to do is we're going to win game four, we're going to win game five, we're going to win game six, six we're going to celebrate, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was like, wow. Yeah, that's that's. – I'm telling you, that that's not – I think it's not reasonable for him to do that, especially in their situation and what's going on. And also the fact is Toronto's a very good team. And also, even if you feel like that, like you said, Toronto's a good team. You're, gonna, you're giving them more motivation? <laughs> like Toronto is already playing you tough. Now you're going to give them extra motivation? Right. You want to give Kawhi extra motivation? You telling him he's, you know, he's going home, he's losing the next three Ooh. games? And he already has a chip on his shoulder with Golden State with what happened two years ago, game True. one of the Western Conference Finals, right. you know? The dreaded, so. the dreaded uh, step under. Uh, right, right. <laughs> and they were leading, and remember the Spurs leading by 24, yeah, was, you know? He was killing, them. He was killing right. that game. So, yeah, we'll see tonight what happens, and uh, we'll get back on that uh, next week for sure. Um... Other big news is the free agency. I mean, all this free agency talk, man. It's crazy. And like <laughs> I, we talked about it last time, but I'm like, so I can't even really listen to it anymore. More, I'm like, I, I just got to wait and see what happens. I, I tweeted out, listen, I'm not even talking about, I'm not even believing none of these rumors until June 26th. <laughs> Give me a few days close to it where I can start believing it. Uh, but right now, come on. Especially, especially that's after the draft. Right. So when the draft and right. how teams pick right. and, and certain trades and, and teams that have, can happen. And they begin to meet. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, talk, you know, it's that deadline is the 30th, but, you know, things happen a couple of days before. That's right. And that's, remember, like, draft, there could be draft day deals with veterans to right. clear for teams to clear cap room. Right. Could trade vets to be able, you know, you never know. So. <laughs> right. But, the you know, the big news is that that Brooklyn cleared up that space. Uh, they trade Crab, who they were, who they had to get rid of anyway. Oh, man, you know, and you know he exercised that player option. Of course, eighteen milli, <laughs> and they had and they gave up. They had to give up the pick, the seventeen pick, in order to get mm-hmm. uh, Atlanta to give to to take Crab's salary and the next year's pick, which is protected though. Right, it 14. is fourteen. Yeah, that's right. It is, um, and it's it's. But Torian Prince yeah, is someone, yeah, very yeah. solid player. Uh, had some injury issues last year, but I, I got to say, Prince really, the versatility, he fits in that net system, and he'll replace Damari Carroll right. pretty much. You and, know, and, so. and if you had if you had your choice between uh, uh, Prince and Crab, who would you take? Ooh, Prince, yeah. that's for sure. So it's like, that's... And Prince, he's an RFA next year. Mm-hmm. So you know he's going to be playing at his best Good to be point. able to yeah, see if he can that. get a great offer. Good so. point. Mm-hmm. Good point. Um, so, you know, we, we don't know where these guys are going. Uh, and he makes you know, beats, too. Tory oh, Prince, shout out to him. Yeah, Uh-oh. he makes music. Uh-oh. So he's going to be here in Brooklyn. So Uh-oh. we're going to talk, Uh-oh. chop music, chop up shop oh, on music. Boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> I don't know. But we'll see. I mean, I'm even hearing, you know, I even heard that, you know, when people think about Kawhi, you know, it's, it sounded like it's a done deal. You know, he's either going to the Clippers or stay in Toronto. I heard that the Knicks feel that they're even in play for Kawhi. And, you know, not to say that that's going to happen, but just hearing that kind of open, you know, kind of brought me back again. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. Right. You know, we don't know. Yeah. You know, all these teams are, are jockeying for position, and they all have right. money. 
Like the Knicks, Nets, Lakers, Clippers have money, Mm -hmm. you know, in the biggest cities in the country. So there's all this opportunity for guys. I mean, I don't know how you predict what what guys are going to do. Yeah, it's it's tough. But but the thing we were talking about, uh, Kawhi Leonard's uncle lives in Jersey. Right. Lives in Northern Jersey. So that's a whole thing where Kawhi may want to be close to him, you know, and that's his business manager. That's his manager, too. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, and, and Durant, his agent. Lives in New York, mm-hmm. Upper West Side, where right. coincidentally Kyrie Irving supposedly bought a place in the Upper West Side. Or that's, or what, was, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I'm, try, so, I'm trying to. You know, I'm not trying know. to listen to these rumors, <laughs> but yes, I remember seeing something like that. Yeah, so it, it's something else. Like, but obviously the Knicks can't get Kawhi, Kevin Durant, and, no, and Kyrie Irving. No, that's but you got Brooklyn. That. Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn has, you know, maybe they get somebody huge. You yeah, know? And, I mean, and I was saying in our one of our earlier shows that Brooklyn is. They're more set right now for more of a championship. I mean, but still, you look at the Boston Celtics. Right. Boston Celtics, what, they, they won 26 games in 2006, 2007 season, and then they were able to get the two trades of Changes Ray everything. Allen and, yeah, Ray mm-hmm. Allen and Kevin Garnett to join Paul Pierce. Yeah, it changes everything when you have that three. Then the Celtics, what, 35-game turnaround or something like that, right. or 37-game right. turnaround? It was crazy. Right. So, yeah, so... um. I tell you, but Brooklyn has the set system now right now. But but the Knicks have really, I, I give as I've always said, Scott Perry, Steve Mills, Craig Robinson, David Fisdale, a lot of credit. They they provide stability and they're developing these players. They've mm-hmm. developed their young players beautifully. Well, let me play. And, let me play devil's advocate because mm-hmm. there are a lot of those out there. You know, there are a lot of anti Knicks guys even in the city. Yeah, right, right. But um, <laughs> who true. I see making statements all That's the time. That's true because it's so, Jim Dolan. Right. Because but, Jim Dolan. But you say. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they've added stability. They won 17 games. Um, you well, know, you say well, that no, they, 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 they were tanking. They were tanking. All right. Yeah, yeah, because they want they developed the young players. Mm-hmm. That's because you you got to give the young players experience. Well, tanking or developing the young players because to well, me that's two different things. I mean, it could be. It's kind of the same. Honestly, yeah, but I'd, I don't mind you. you that, I don't yeah, mind yeah. you deliver. Right. Uh, right. You know, it's like you know you're gonna lose. You could be more patient, right. and you know you're gonna lose. Kind right. of. Because I want you to develop young players. Right. Right. You know, especially it makes sense to me because you look at Damian Dotson. He's mm-hmm. now a viable NBA player. He's, he, right. he's an NBA player. Right. Alonzo Trier right. was undrafted. Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson, Huge. who, yeah. Who now the, he's their one, number one prospect. Basically, yeah. yeah. And Kevin Knox, who people are down on. Right, and Kevin Knox could score. So so that's the thing. And Dennis Smith Jr., too, yeah. as well. They I were like able, that. and it was a great deal to be able to get rid of Christoph Porzingis, who now more controversy going yeah. on, as we all know, with him. So it's like, it was the right move, you know? Mm-hmm. So, But, it, but uh, again, just devil's advocate again. I'm looking at the Nets when you compare the two teams, and they're kind, you know, free agency wise, they're in the same spot all of a sudden, right? They both have these mm-hmm. two, these two max slots. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Knicks, you know, made a big deal about tanking to get those slots or, and giving and sending Porzingis away to get that money. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the Nets were in the playoffs and were able to do that. And that's what I, that's mm-hmm. what I was saying like mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. It's a better situation. Mm-hmm. And also you have an infrastructure where you have Kenny Atkinson, speaker of developing players, one of the best development guys in the NBA. And then Sean Marks like coming into a situation where I mean you had a he had a terrible hand. Terrible hand, you know? No, but, no question. No, he did. You know, yeah. like, like uh, in fact, like the, the trade they just made with Atlanta where they they give up crab and they had to give up some picks. They had to the for meet, them to take crab's contract. Take That's mm-hmm. the type of contract the the net on the reverse side the Nets were taking for the mm-hmm. past few years. Remember mm-hmm. they were taking salary yes. and getting picks in return for taking that salary. So it's almost you see the you know how far the Nets have come to where now they're the, they're the 
team on the other side, That's right. you know, who's trying to, you know, really trying to take big moves and then helping those little teams like like Atlanta, you know, mm-hmm. get better mm-hmm. by, you know, giving, you know, giving them some salary that they can dump next year. Right. You know, and that type of thing. So. And, and that's the thing. And the thing you have to look at, like, Scott Perry, he he's one of the, the classiest people in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He's built relationships. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant had a relationship back when Durant was a rookie in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Perry was people part of that People don't office. talk about that. People don't, yeah, mm-hmm. people forget about that. So another thing as well, uh, Craig Robinson, he was responsible for developing Giannis Antetokounmpo because he was a development guy with the Milwaukee Bucks under Jason Kidd. Mm-hmm. So he was basically Giannis's, you know, he helped Giannis get more acclimated to the United States, mm. you know, as well as on the court and off the court. So that people know that in circles, people like, okay. And also he's, you know, his brother-in-law, Form is forty four, oh, you know, and it's, can, it's sister in law is the first sister. Sister, excuse me, is the first lady. Yeah, you, you, know? can, you, so. can, you can't, you can't uh, top that one. Exactly. So, <laughs> right. not in the NBA, right? You can't, you can't top that. And, and Steve Mills, I'm glad he has now decision making power mm-hmm. now because mm-hmm. he's shown that you know, and he's well respected in the league too. People and mm-hmm. and you know, Fizzy, come on now, mm-hmm. Fizzy, everyone loves him. Mm-hmm. So you look at that group that the Knicks have. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people relate to They relate to a lot of the players. I'm with you. I like that group. Mm-hmm. Everybody you mentioned, I like that group. But, uh, you know, I do hear that, you know, there is a, there is an anti that going on, even in the city, mm-hmm. where people are really doubting uh, what, what they can do. So right. we'll see. I mean, this is a, it's a big summer. Ooh, amazing. Amazing. And, uh, yes, I can't wait. June 30th, 6 p.m. Eastern yeah. time, it all starts. And, Wow, they moved it up six hours. Because <laughs> all these all these dumb rumors, I can't take. I can't just, take just get it, it over with. Right. I mean, we can see what some real thing uh, happened. Now, gotta ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Nadal defeated Roger Federer today. Mm-hmm. French Open. French Open semifinal. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Rafael Nadal is going for his twelfth French Open title. Mm-hmm. He's eighty nine and two currently mm-hmm. in the French Open. Eighty nine and two, basically. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Only two losses, one from a withdrawal because mm-hmm. of an injury, and then he lost to Robin Soderlin. The only like on court loss he had in French Open history to Robin Soderlin, wow. and then Soderlin ended up being defeated by Federer to for Federer to win his only French Open. Now, Federer has twenty Grand Slams, Nadal seventeen. Nadal's going for his eighteenth, which most likely will happen. It's that, cl- that close? It's closer than I thought. It is. It is. And then Novak Djokovic is going for his 16th mm. Grand Slam. And him and Nadal may play, but he's, you know, uh, uh, play has been suspended with Djokovic and, and Dominic mm-hmm. Diem. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, whoo. <sighs> now, who's the better player, you think, historically, Federer or Nadal? I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's been a great, let me just say, it's been a great. Uh, what do you call it? Run? Uh, what, what do you call? What's the generation? You know, just this, Genera- yeah, yeah. This this talent playing these this three, long, these, these three guys. Three cats, and then remember, yeah. um, I'm blanking. Um, Murray. Oh, Andy Murray. Andy Murray, who just had to retire. He yeah. was kind of in the mix for yeah, a while. Yeah, kind of very you know, He was good. He was on their level to a certain extent. Yeah, but if, if they didn't play in this era, he would he oh, would yeah, have yeah. more Grand Slams. Yeah. Sure. I think Murray has two, I believe. Yeah, that's true. So he's that. really not on their level. But, 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 I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. So all three of these guys are just ridiculous all-time greats. Um, if you have to compare them, I mean, I, I guess I got to go Federer still because at the moment he has, you know, a couple more Grand Slams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he's he's older. He's you know he's done it 
for a longer period right. of time. He's had his ups and downs. Mm-hmm. He, the, what he's done recently, I'm shocked by. I thought he was done, mm-hmm. you know, about three, four years ago. Right. For him to still, to, to like resurrect himself and to the point where he's now, he's always again on top, either, you That's know, right. semifinals and finals and every event. That's right. I mean, it's unbelievable. So I still go Federer. It's clo- I go Federer um, for now. Mm-hmm. Nadal could pass him. Right. But I I actually think right now the be, the best player of the three is Djokovic over the to me over the, over last, the last five years yeah, or so yeah, right. I think Djokovic is the best player, mm-hmm. um, but he still has to catch up too in, in Grand Slams and maybe he will and, and, and yeah and he only only two behind it all now be a big win if it, well first he has to get rid of theme mm-hmm. and which theme leads three to one uh, going into in the third set so they're both tied at one set each. Um, so Djokovic, if he can beat Nadal, this this will be a significant victory oh. because Federer never beat Nadal in Roland Garros. Djokovic, if he beats Nadal, which he actually is the better player right now than mm-hmm. Nadal, but if not, he beats but on, not on clay, that, on clay, right? <laughs> oh, no, no, but I mean, if he yeah. beats Nadal, if he did that, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Right. That is a significant victory that Federer cannot say he did. Right. So that's And only major. one dude can say he did it. That's right. And 16. And how many matches did you win? Uh, one dude, Robin Sodalin. Yeah. 80 like, what? Uh, 89, 89 and two. Come on, man. That's not even. Yeah. That's cr- just crazy. Crazy, you know. And, 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 and Joker, he's only, like I said, five behind Federer, two behind Nadal. So it's getting tight. It's getting real tight. But one thing I give Nadal, 24 and 15 overall against Federer. That's big. Lifetime. That's big. Ten and three in Grand Slam matches against Federer, lifetime. That's, so I mean, that's hard to argue. That's right yeah, it's it's interesting, you know. And that Wimbledon is the greatest tennis match I ever saw. A two thousand eight Wimbledon final with Federer and Nadal when Nadal passed ended Federer's five consecutive championship streak at Wimbledon. Mm. That Nadal, that's when he arrived as someone that. You know, is elite and all time. You know, and then and I would, started to run. I'm so. not sure of this. I don't have it in front of me, but I would think also that Djokovic probably has a favorable record against Nadal. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. You I have know? to look that up. I have to look you that know, up. Grand but yeah. slams or whatever. So right. that You know, it's just crazy. Those three are just ridiculous. And Joker could pass them up both. Yeah, he could pass them both. Yeah. You know, absolutely. So Bill Roden is at uh, at the NBA Finals, getting ready for that. But we have an honor, the honor to have uh, this gentleman. He's the first heavyweight, first American heavyweight champion in nine years when he won the WBC belt in 2015. And he has gone on to, to have such an electrifying career. He's a 2008 bronze medalist in the Beijing Games uh, Olympics and uh, for the super heavyweight division. And now he is uh, the most, one of the most exciting fighters in the world and pound for pound the hardest puncher in the world for sure. It's our pleasure to have Mr. Deontay Wilder on the program. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing well. You know, I'm blessed. You know, I tell my I tell my family we're blessed every time we wake, man. So that's my story. How about you guys? Great. Yeah, we're good. Great. We're good. Yes, no question. Indeed. Yes, yes. And and we want to get right to it with um your your rival pretty much because pretty much everyone's talk about the heavyweight division was between you and Anthony Joshua as like the present and the future. And Anthony Joshua was defeated by Andy Ruiz, who a lot of pe- a lot of non-boxing people did not know the skill set Ruiz possesses. Andy Ruiz Jr. He defeated uh, Joshua with a seventh round knockout. What was your reaction immediately after that happened? And were you watching the fight actually? Uh, no, I, I wasn't watching the fight, uh, but I had 
people that were that were watching it or those that had downloaded the app, you know, um, from a previous flight uh, were watching it. And, you know, of course, everybody was, you know, keeping me, you know, up to date what was going on. I was actually at a uh, one of the mayors back home birthday party. So um, so we was just out having a little fun. And, and when when the fight came on and how the fight was started and how those guys were going to war and Joshua knocked Andy down and Andy came back and knocked Joshua down four more times, man. It was like my phone was going crazy. <laughs> you know, it was lighting up. It was like I had my phone. I had it in my pocket because I was taking pictures and stuff during the time. And you would think it was, I mean, it was vibrating so crazy. It was like a, a therapy massage for my leg. Uh. Um, so, yeah, so when he got knocked out, man, it was people calling me hollering my brother called me hollering i couldn't even understand what was going on he just he didn't he forgot probably what he was calling for he was celebrating like it was it was a crazy moment in time but i wasn't surprised at all in fact i was me and my manager was talking about this the night before and uh he think he thought it was gonna i asked him i said shell what do you think what you think about the fight this weekend uh, shelly finkel shelly finkel you know john mm-hmm. shelly finkel's correct mm-hmm. you know we talk every day so you know about different things, and uh, we was talking about the fight, and and he he said, you know, I got Joshua winning seven round knock on uh, six seven round knockout. Like you think? He said, well, he asked me what I thought. I said, nah, I see this fight. I'm thinking a twelve round fight decision mm. going somewhere or a decision going either way, twelve round fight. But I also told him, I said, do not be surprised if Andy win this fight as well. And so you gotta keep in mind, Joshua don't move his head. He don't have no, no, no head movement. You know, he's not flexible like that. He's not mm-hmm. that athletic because of all those muscles and stuff. And I was telling him like Andy is, is he got hand, he got fast hands, and he can move, he can move. And you know, he's 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 brave and um, and like he he's gonna come and give it all he got. You know, and he didn't, but he was like, well, I don't know him. You know, so Shelly didn't really know who we were. You know, and uh, but uh, I wasn't surprised at all. You know, and and he and he did a great job. I'm, I'm just so happy for the guy. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean, to come from where he came from, and, and like he said in the press conference, Mama, we don't have to struggle again. And yes. if he moves yes. strategically and he invested his money well, then not just see this money as an opportunity to buy the things that I didn't have. So I'm gonna party like a rock star. Instead, use this as motivation the things I didn't have. Not only would I eat off and enjoy the fruits of my labor, but my children and their children, their children will as well. So, you know, congratulations to him. And, and, and here, now you got a bullseye on his back. Everybody right. wants him. Right. Yeah. Everybody wants to be the man. That's right. You know, I call Andy Ruiz Jr. Uh, the Mexican James Tony. You know, <laughs> with the skills, but the the frame isn't there. You know, so <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I think that's the thing that Joshua then was looking over, like mm. his body weight. You know, the way he looked. You know, it was. You, you, it's easy to look past a guy. You know, I tell I tell guys like I don't look past you, but I do look through you. Mm. I window shop a little bit. Motivate <laughs> me to see where I am now. And to see where I can I can be after this is over, so it's just a push of motivation for me. Everybody got different ways of thinking, you know. Your mindset is very strong. You got to have a strong mindset in this sport, man, or you're gonna get ran over. Right. You, you know, it's gonna come up a point in time where you're gonna really, really have to prove yourself because somebody's gonna want to really prove themselves to you. And Joshua had met his time. It was man. 
what an upset. But man, mm-hmm. it's, it makes boxing exciting. It makes it makes it even more exciting than it once was because you know we was in a dark place at one point in time, and now we're in right. the light, and it's one of the most talked about divisions right now because of the excitement that's going on with it and all. You know, so it's a definitely a great time to be a heavyweight. No question. I mean, I know you. I know you said that you weren't surprised, but was any part of you uh, a little, you know, a little disappointed that that you weren't the person that that got to knock him out first? Well, not you know, not when I look up on the situation, you know, it's like you can't get it all, man. You know, I understand. I, you know, as many times where I wanted to be the first to do something, I wanted to be the first to knock Klitschko out. You know right. what I mean? I wanted to be the first to do the Joshua. You know, it's many of these guys who want to be the first to give them that first L and stuff, but I also understand that I, I, I can't do it all. Mm-hmm. Although we want to, and sometimes, you know, things are not planned for it to go that way. And I, I understand and I'm satisfied with it. And the, for the most part about this situation, I'm satisfied with him getting defeated and it wasn't I because we knew that it was coming. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of time. But one thing that makes me content with it, is that I know I can sleep at night, bro. I can wake up in the morning and look myself in the eyes while I'm brushing my my teeth, you know, whether I'm waking up saying, to this day, <laughs> I'm just being me smiling. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right, right. I can say that I'm the champion of the world, and I try everything. Right. I try. I try. I, we, we poured our heart out to try to make that fight happen right there. And I think people are finally realizing you know, what was going on, who was running from whom, and, you know, and they can, it's easy to see he was running from me because this is what they was trying to avoid. Mm. If he did that and that, but he got beat up. Right. He beat, he got beat up and he quit. That's something that you don't do, and by you do not quit as, as a champion that been boosted up, that been bigged up, you know, from by his, his promoter and his countrymen, and to lose like that in that fashion, that is – very, that's an embarrassment. I would consider it as an embarrassment, man. And he got humiliated in front of the world. But that what happens, man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and this is a crazy sport. You know, I think his people put a lot of pressure on him as well, especially old Hearns, his promoter. He yeah. always wanted to be in, the, in, 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 in been, be seen in, in interviews, talk, oh, Josh, this. They was scapping tickets. They was paying media off to make things seem bigger than what it were. Not only did Joshua have to bag up the things that he said while contradicting what his promoter said, but he also had to bag up the words that his promoter was saying as well, too. And now it's like going in there, I got to bag up the shit I said and what you said. Right. And like, then you can't even, even fight for me. Wow. And come to America, mega boxing, man, that was a lot of pressure for that guy. And then coming off of what I did, everybody compared, trying to go, you know, you know, in the days and times that we live in with social media and all this type of stuff, you know, it won't let people sleep. They Everybody weighing in what I did, he didn't have no time to focus. Now he had to really present himself as a true king. We're really going to find out and see is this really true about what they've been saying. Mm. He showed up. Well, <laughs> Interesting. Why? He got found. It <laughs> <laughs> was lost. Is now it's found. <laughs> so, so, so to answer it all, man, you know, I said all that to say this: that I, you know, I, I tried. As long as I know that I tried my hardest, I, we gave our heart, we put our heart into trying that fight. You know what I mean? Making that fight, and it wasn't because of us; it was because of them. They did not want this fight for that particular reason, and that's why I'm not really disappointed. I'm, I'm, at, I'm at ease, actually. You know, I could sleep at night, bro. 
knowing that I tried, I really, we, we, we four months, we tried five different times. For four months, they gave us the runaround. So I know he's going to regret it. Like I told him, he's going to regret, regret that 50, not taking that $50 million upon asking for it. I hear that. That's Ooh. what, you know, would text me privately. And like, bro, is this real? Let me talk to your people. I'm like, yeah, of course, man. Of course it's real. I start telling them personal stuff. Don't let these people guide you, man. We going to make sure you right, brother. Brother, <laughs> we're going to make sure you right. right. I tried to guide him, man. I tried to take him one and got him. Hey, he, what he did, we, you know, when you, when you, when you, when you washed up in the head, man, and you get around certain people, they influence you so much. Mm-hmm. This guy went and took everything I told him probably and went back to master, man, and showed him. Mm-hmm. You know? Wow. He went back and showed him everything, bro. I, I, I'm content, man. I'm content. Hey. Now, Deontay, do you think, because Tyson Fury tweeted out saying opposite of what you were tweeting about Joshua, Tyson Fury thinks that Joshua can bounce back. Do you think he can bounce back or do you think he's completely broken? Oh, he most definitely can bounce back. You know, I've, I, I've said before, uh, uh, a loss doesn't mean it's the end of the world. You know, mm-hmm. that's how many greats, uh, in the past of our time, have came back to be two-time, three-time, four-time, even five-time champion. You know, that's how that occurs. Sometimes a loss is a great thing in some certain people's careers, you know, to learn something. It can be a learning curve. You know, I needed to get off of my hard horse a little bit just to go back to reality and to realize what really got me here in the first place. <laughs> you know, some people re- need that real reality check, you know, and then sometimes it's good for for. Fans to see it, just to see how can this man get back, get up. You know, even in life, life beat us down all the time. And the magic thing to see is to how they're going to pick themselves back up. Because let's face it, quitting is one of the easiest things to do in life, to give up, to quit. Sometimes people quit before they can even receive their blessing. All they is just a door, doorbell ring away. Just press the button. You get out of it, that's why you're tired, you done turned around. I'm knocking on the door. You can't even live no more because you, your journey has been tough getting here, but you just give up. You quit. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Speaking of uh, Tyson Fury, obviously you had you had the memorable draw uh, a while back. Uh, it was a great fight. You know, obviously, people, you know, some people thought it went way, one way, some people thought it went the other way, but you get the draw out of the deal. I mean, what, what's your feeling about uh, seeing him in the ring again? Um, what are your thoughts on that? And also, you know, he's been he's been making some comments. I mean, he he made a comment that came out today saying he thought you were 100 uh, percent mentally broke. So I'm just curious, you know, what what's your feeling about Fury and, and his broke. comments? Right after the fight, he says you were 100 percent mentally broke. Yeah, because because he said he took your best I, shot. I, I'm mentally if, broke. That's yeah. what he said. As he said, he's mentally fragile right now. I've took his best shot. I got up, you know, and he wasn't and he was out of the uh, ring for three years. Uh oh. So so what do you have to say about that? His response. <laughs> Oh uh, man, you know I'm at, you know I'm always excited to see the heavyweights back in there. You know, um, <laughs> although Furious the Boring, he's although Furious the Boring is heavyweight of us all. You know, he, it's gonna be a snooze fest every time we <laughs> fight. It is a snooze fest. Right. You know, he can't knock nobody out. When the last time he knocked someone out, because he have no power. You know, but it's gonna be funny and entertaining to see what he does, where is his mindset is, because. We know that I came out with a spectacular knockout. We know that Josh had the most embarrassing upset, you know, <laughs> definitely in this era. 
now the pressure's on him. Either he's going to be better than that, which I highly doubt that he's going to be able to perform at my level of what I've done, or is he going to be like a Joshua have an upset, you know? So he really got a lot of pressure on him, if you think about it. And uh, with me, you know, I'm alive and well, baby. Mm-hmm. Everything about me is, has improved, have impressed throughout my whole life. God don't make mistakes. I'm walking in my manifestation. And the best thing about me and during this time of me walking in my manifestation, I understand everything that's going on around me and inside of me. You know, I, I can, I, I, the things that I feel, the thing that is progressing, me enjoying the fruits of my labor, man, this, all, this, this has been written for me. And the thing about it, 11 years I've just been sitting back marinating, just observing all this in, even going through the bads and the good, because with the, without the good, you can't understand the bad, and without the bad, you won't appreciate how good you really have it. Mm-hmm. So me just sitting back, just taking all this in, man, has been great. You know, they can't, my, ment- my mentality is, is amazing. It's big. Like I tell people, my mindset is so big, a spaceship can fit up in it. So when you got a mind with a mindset <laughs> so big and it runs so far, you don't have no limitations on it. How can he be mentally broken? Right. You know, I'm I'm excited for them all. See, that's the thing about it. They mentality is down. And like, if you can take a punch, then you suck. I mean, the proof is in the pudding, brothers. Mm-hmm. If you think you really took that punch, if you think you really won all those rounds, in America, I don't know where you from, but in America, we run it back mm. immediately. We run it back. We don't go and try to get a, 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 another guy that no one never heard of just to see if we still have our marbles in our head. That night <laughs> of that fight, I did not fear into a concussion. I knocked the marbles out of his mind, his head. When a man goes down and don't know how he got on the canvas, nor do we know how he got up, there's something wrong with that pitch. Right. And you, can, you know, it's like, how many can you take? Your family don't even want you to fight me no more. Your team, you don't even want to fight no more, but you can't. You you won't have no choice but to fight me. The situation, the way he set up, he have no choice but to fight me or deal with consequences behind his action. And I don't even think I'm going to go more than that because it ain't for no one else to know but his own self. When he look in the mirror and I look in the mirror, I guarantee you guys, like I said, I feel like a king. I'm blessed. And every, every move we've made has been strategically. We've been, oh, my goodness, I'm excited. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, the rematch will reveal it all. That's why I'm putting out the rematch will reveal it all. He better be ready. You know, things that he say he have to, these guys have to keep up with me. When I'm natural, like I tell people, I know who I am. I know what I stand for. I know what I represent. And when you get a man like that and he spreads how he feels, who going to stop him? What weapon for him against me shall prosper? Because what God for me is for me. And the only person that can knock that down, the only person that can, can stop those, those blessings from coming is myself. Mm-hmm. And I ain't going to do that because I'm building for generation wealth. So yeah. I let them talk. I let them try to take things in this sport. You know, we, need, we need actors. We need people that can speak this sport up. You know, that was the beauty, that's, why the beauty, that's what the beauty of this sport is made of. People trying to be able to talk or fight up, entertain the people. So when it's time, when they're not at the fight, you better be about what you say. You better get those people. Your actions better speak louder than your words. True. At least match it in some type of way. Because Deontay Wilder do that every night. You guys have to be someone that's not, bro. I don't have to be the one. I say what I say, and I say what I mean. Right. You know? 
That's wow. why people take it so seriously what I say because it can happen. You know, so <laughs> it's good that they talking. You know, man, this is an exciting time to be a heavyweight. You got to excuse me. Yes, yes, indeed. It, it definitely is exciting. We're here with WBC heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder, and uh, uh, now, now Fury's fighting Tom Schwartz. For uh, it's seen as a tune-up, of course, but you're fighting Luis Ortiz, a rematch now, which was a very interesting fight where Luis Ortiz gave you a lot, lot to look at. What are the adjustments you have to make to make that fight quicker, a quicker stoppage than it was before when you got him in the tenth round? But what do you have to do to to, to kind of make it more dominant? No, it ain't. It ain't it's, you know, that was definitely a, a a dramatic fight. You know, it was a exciting fight. You know, most of these fights I fight in. People love to come and see it because I have them on the edge of their seats. They don't know what's going to happen, you know. And with with Ortiz being that he's so experienced, so many people call him an old man, but now one of them want to get in there with that old man and teach this old man a lesson. Right. But I, that's why I'm rematching him a second time out of all this time, you know. And the thing with him is, you know, he's a, he's a great counterpuncher. You know, he's very skillful. And he tried to counter counter off your attacks. So when you're in there with a guy once before, you know the second time comes a little bit easier because you know what to expect from both guys. He knows that I have the power, and I also can take the punches as well. He was very surprised that I stood up, stayed up like I did. You know, many people thought I was hurt, but I was just only buzzed. I was still thinking in the midst of the storm, you know. It's just like with life. Life can go me many curves, and in the midst of the storm, I had to hold on. I had to keep walking. I had to keep going. I couldn't let it up and give up because I'm all on a purpose. I'm a, I'm a, I know the reason why I'm here. And in the midst of that storm that he was giving me in that seventh round, I was telling myself, Deontay, you got it. You kidding? You're going to have to do more than that. That's what my mind, that's what I was telling him. Yeah, you got to do more than that. It was like I was talking to my inner self in the midst of the storm, and that's sometimes we just have to go deep in ourselves in the midst of the storm. And just tell ourselves, talk our way through, motivate ourselves. Because if we don't believe in ourselves, how can we allow others to believe in me? And that night, after that, upon that victory, I made a lot of people believe in me because I survived. But just changing the difference is going to be a little bit easier. You know, I had to adjust a couple of things. Maybe we can shoot the jab out of that a little bit more. Mm. But, you know, we're going to see if I have to just, if not anything, because during the, what people don't know during the Ortiz fight, I had I caught the flu. I was sick as a dog. Mm. I was sick as a dog. Caught the caught the flu. You know, I only had two two and a half weeks of training for him. For a guy so dangerous like that, but you know, I don't make excuses. And nobody knows that. Nobody knew I had the flu before that fight. Nobody knew I ain't had no. My, my I, that was the poorest training camp I ever had mm. <laughs> in my professional career. Only two and a half weeks to train for a monster like that. Imagine a healthy me. Go ahead. No question. Let me ask you, uh, you know, you mentioned the heavyweight division and how, you know, it's a fun time to be a heavyweight. Uh, the division is back. You know, I know, I know you know the history of boxing. You know, uh, you know, the history of heavyweights. What what do you want from the game ultimately? Where, where do you where do you how do you want to be seen when when you when you put the gloves down? Like what, what's your ultimate goal in this game? You know, my, my ultimate goal is to unify the whole division. You know, to be the undisputed, undefeated. You know, unified heavyweight champion of the world. You know, the last person who's done that was Lennox. 
You know, I def I want to do that. That's my ultimate goal for as boxing. But in in all in general, general, you know, I want to build a legacy. Mm. You know, when people we have many sports and we can name many sports that we can call out. And when you call those name, when you call that sport name out, it's one particular guy that may come in your head, or maybe two, great. But you'll know one for sure, great. That come to your head, and as, the st- as it's standing now, when we think about boxing, we think about none other than Muhammad Ali, right? The master, you know, you know, that's my all-time favorite great. So when I get finished with this sport, you know, because I tell people I'm a living, walking icon. People like me only come around so many decades in this sport. I'm so unorthodox, I'm un- so untextbooks. You know, the things that I do, the the power that I have. You know, things that I, you know, it never been seen. So at the end, I want to build a legacy. I want people to remember me as a great, someone was great that came from nowhere. A country boy from Tuscaloosa, Alabama just came out mm-hmm. of nowhere. Wapping everybody. Right. You know, I want to be known as the ones that he was fearless, bravest, you know, had a gentle heart, kind, wanted peace and love for everyone. You know, but when you get in that ring, he turned into a whole other beast. He's a monster. And I wanted him to, you know, look at me. I never, I tried to make all the best fight, never ran for no one. Gave the heavyweight, brought the heavyweight division out of a 10-year, you know, drought. It was so dead. You know, brought the heavyweight division back to life where people, where it is to this day. Wow. That's what I want to be remembered as someone that was did something great, remarkable. That not only that my name will live on in my generation and my children, but forever. Mm-hmm. That when you think about boxing, the first name coming to your head was Deontay Wilder. That's why I want to get it to. I got a long way to go, but I'm in the right direction. Well, and like I said, I understand my path and I know my role. Well, Deontay, wanted to ask you, the heavyweight division, as we talked about, has been very rich and everything. Which heavyweight fights that you continually look at to this day to this day you know, <laughs> that you look at that you you know and that really inspires you to to be to put your name as as one of the greats uh, of all time man you know when you're looking for it's, it's not many that i'll pull up you know and just just look at but you know when you're scrolling through the channels and you see classic fights on man and one that really always catch my eye when i see it and i always gotta watch it all the way through and I also have still VHS tapes of him is, is Muhammad Ali and how he came up and him fighting former, you Ooh. know, in his idea, Bumbaye. Yes, Bumbaye Ali. Ali. Right. You know, that is a classic. Right. That is a classic, man, and how those people gravitated to him and they loved him and then that crowd was back, to, you know, because he was the really, he spoke his piece. And the thing about it, the culture messed with him because he was a real man. He didn't he didn't fear about what he said. As long as he know he was he was talking, speaking it right, speaking his energy, delivering his peace, and he had the platform to speak for the voiceless man. You know how I many people got a platform, but they don't want to use it because they're scared of their action. What gonna come behind them? or what somebody else feeling? But I got the right platform to do whatever, express my feeling however I want. Because one thing about it, people gonna come and see me lose. They go come and see me win, but I can spread my opinion and peace. And the people behind it, they loved it. And Ali was like that, man. You know, oh, form about that German Shepherd like that. And the people looked at him like, oh, you was one of the other people because they did that to them as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so they automatically, boom, by A. They're going to kill him, Ali. Kill him. Right. <laughs> 
Right. I, yeah. And I've, I've noticed I've noticed, too, that, you know, you're not afraid to, you know, touch on other, uh, you know, social issues or whatever outside of the ring. And, you know, I, you know, we all appreciate that. And, you know, just outside of the ring, what, what you have any plan? You know, how do you look to, how do you look to carry yourself outside of the ring and in terms of, you know, any kind of social issues that come up? You know, I try to, you know, I'm, I'm a very passionate person, you know. I don't touch on every issue there is, you know. Right. But I have my fair share of things that make my energy move, you know. I'm very sensitive when it comes to children. I'm very sensitive when it comes to racism. Mm-hmm. And I'm very sensitive when it comes to my people, my culture. Right. You know, I love I love my culture and my people, you know. And I think we're some of the best, you know, definitely the biggest consumer and the most entertained, right? You know, but you know, certain things just—it all depends on how it makes me feel. You know, uh, I don't really get in too much politics and different things like that. And but when I'm involved, when I feel it, and I feel the need to say something, I express my opinion of how I feel, and right. this is how I truly feel. I, I have to release my energy among something. If I don't, then it feel like it's trapped inside of me, and, and it's hurting me more than than my words may hurt someone else. You know, it's like if I release it, I'm I'm speaking my peace. I'm speaking. I'm releasing the energy from me, how I feel. And some people may feel the exact same way, but may not be heard. But because I have a platform to do so, whatever I've said, it affects a lot of other people because they feel in the same way. Especially like when I say it to this day, oh, my God, I never knew that it would affect so many people in so many different ways, right. whether they've been through it through the past or they're going through it current right now. You know, many people cried about it. Many people got angry. Many people, you know, was happy about it. Man, it was so many different emotions and feelings. It was like, wow, I never meant for, I never thought it would go like this. I never meant for it to affect no one, but I only spoke my piece of what I felt was true. Right. Mm-hmm. And you just never know what a person is going through in life, man. You know, and I just try to be the realist. I try to be who I am. Like I said, I know what I who I am. I know what I stand for. I know what I represent. My dad taught us to be ourselves. He said, "Boy, don't laugh. I don't care if you're in front of the president. If it ain't funny, you better not laugh." <laughs> <laughs> you know? I hear no you. No one else. That's good stuff. You be yourself and no one else. And man, you know they carry me. I'm carried with me. I'm myself. I don't want to be like no one else. And if I feel the same way, I will express my opinion. You know, I'm not a tension seeker. I don't everything that comes up because let's face it, so many problems here, especially here in America, that you just everything. I'm just not gonna be able to just, you know, give my opinion about something. You just see, and you just it's better to pray for it and express your opinion amongst the millions that are gonna express theirs as well. You know, certain Mm -hmm. things they're gonna get done, certain things ain't. But the most thing you can do is really just pray, man. This is a lot of shit go on every day, man. <sighs> Nonsense, violence, all the time. I don't even watch the news. Right. <laughs> For what? I hear you. Right, it's right. A negative entity. It sends out negative vibe, aura, and messages. You know, every time you see somebody dies, somebody. It's, I mean, just it's not a second go by that it's not a death that's being committed around the world. You know, sometimes me and my guys we say we'll say some of the baddest things, and we say it's somebody killing somebody right now, somebody doing this right now, somebody beating up somebody right now, you know, whatever you say, you can't really go wrong because it's round clocking. It's crazy world, man. Wow. So I like, you know, I've had so many people come up to me, man, crying, shaking, you know, men and women, only because of what I've been able to say. They say speaking for the voiceless. 
I had one man, I thought he was on something, but to really just understand him and hear what he was talking about, getting him my undivided attention, and I was like, this man, this man really is celebrating with joy. You know, he's trying to tell me something. This man was going, he wanted to, he, know he, he knew his time was limited with me, so he wanted to get the most out of it by saying as much as he can. And it was, I thought he was really on something, but I started listening and paying attention to what he was saying. And it was like he really was expressing himself, his emotions, his feelings about me and the things that I've said that affected him and how he feels that I'm the gathering of the people. Like, I'm the voice for the voiceless. Like, you know, I'm carrying some type of torch for us. And I'm like, you know, that's a big responsibility. No yes, question. No but all I can tell people, you know, I'm just just trying. I'm just spreading my peace. I'm spreading how I feel as one that's in in the, in the world. I mean, you know. Wow, no doubt about that. And that's brother, how I look at it. And brother Deontay, you are an inspiration for so many people and for all of us, and 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 for what you stand for, and not just how you fight, but also how you carry yourself. And we want to thank you so much for being on Bill Roden on Sports for sure. Really appreciate Absolutely. it, bro. Really appreciate it. Oh man. Thank you guys so much. At any time you need me, I'm here. Right. Oh, that's right. We'll take you up on that yeah. <laughs> for Good. sure. After you, after you My defeat man. Louise yeah. Ortiz again, take yeah. care of business. Good luck. Good luck in the future, especially when you're up, you're up here in New York, in Brooklyn, and uh, we'll definitely Amen. catch up with you again. No question. Hey man, talk to you guys later. Love, peace, and God bless. Yes, sir. Same right, to man. you. Yes, sir. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible has over 180,000 book titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, and MP3 player. For you, the listeners of Bill Roden on Sports, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. We highly recommend that you check out the classic $40 Million Slaves, The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of the Black Athlete by the one and only William C. Roden, an absolute must-read. To download your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports. Again, that's audibletrial.com dot com backslash Bill Roden on sports for your free audiobook. Check it out. Welcome back to Bill Roden on sports. Uh, Nabate, I was with Jamal Murphy, my partner in crime, and, and Bill Roden is actually out at the NBA Finals uh, right now. Uh, actually, a late flight, so he wasn't able to join us, unfortunately. But uh, but Bill is always here in spirit for sure, and and he gives his regards to this gentleman right here who is with us. Um, this man is one of the great players in New York City history, for sure, and the rich history of New York City basketball. And uh, he starred at LaSalle, actually first from Queensbridge, uh, Queens, and um, also, uh, which is out of Long Island City, starred at LaSalle Academy, led them to their, uh, led them to a 1997 uh, Catholic High School Athletic Association title, um, in 1997, then went on to start St. John's, uh, leading St. John's in 1999 to the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament. Moved on, drafted in the first round, 16 overall by the Chicago Bulls in 99. Turned out to be one of the most fearless, one of the most uh, aggressive defensive players in the history of the game. And he turned out to be an all-star in 2004. And that same year was the NBA Defensive Player of the Year 2004. And then he went on to win the, the title, the NBA Championship with the Los Angeles Lakers in 2010. And this gentleman has really been a great inspiration to society on uh, hitting on the issues of mental 
illness and and really um, being able to help people understand that and be able to help people uh, be aware of it. It is our pleasure to have this gentleman who has a film out, Showtime, Mm -hmm. documentary called uh, Quiet Quiet Storm. Storm. Uh, the Ron Artest story. It's our pleasure to have Mr. Meta World Peace, who was born as Ron Artest, but Meta World Peace is what he goes by right now, and it's our pleasure to have him on. How are you, Meta? Everything's good, man. Thanks for that uh, great introduction, and everything is solid. You know, just kind of going on this world, well, actually, the regional tour mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, physically doing interviews for the documentary, but national tour with... Uh, Media, over the phone, interviews, from Skype. So it's going well. How, you know, The Quiet Storm is, is the, uh, the documentary uh, on Showtime, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what was, how, did, how did you feel about it? You know, being able to sit back, watch your own story. Um, you know, what kind of emotions did that bring up? And, and what was your overall take from, from watching your own story like that? It's a really good doc. You know, and I'm looking forward to doing the next one. Mm. I have about, I have one, which is the basketball one, we got to get to. Um, you know, we, it originally was a basketball doc, but then uh, the producers, Omar, Johnny, and Colleen, the producers, they said they wanted to switch it up, make it more mental health driven. Mm. So the next one I want to focus on basketball, my career and how I was playing, and then I want to focus on a couple other Really, really important stories. This doctor, this documentary was amazing. Mr. Tom uh, wrote the doc, and Bleacher Report and Showtime came together, collaborated. And you know, uh, NBA was releasing some footage to us that helped out a lot. Mm-hmm. It's on Hulu and Showtime, so it was just an all-around great group and a, a very well-experienced people to work with. And I'm hoping I can do that on my next couple jobs. Now, now, Ron, um, uh, Meta, excuse me, um, I wanted to, you know, because we, we grew up in, Jamal grew up in Brooklyn, I grew up in Queens, so mm. we always, you know, Ron, I test, <laughs> like, we're the same age, too. I'm in class of 95 high school, mm. so, you know, so <laughs> pretty much, but, but, um, but Meta wanted to, um, it was interesting that the documentary touched upon Queens and how Queens emerged, especially in hip-hop culture as well as basketball. And uh, the, the song The Bridge Is Over by KRS-One, which actually got me into hip-hop, even though I'm a Queens cat myself, you know, like, but it was just a powerful song. Talk about how Queens in the 90s, like late 80s into the 90s, really was able to build and establish and establish a culture in pop culture as well as in sports culture. Yeah, you know, Queens, um, interesting place. We talk about, well, the Bridges Over had to do with strictly Queens, which is essentially its own city, but Queens in general, you got Run DMC, you got 50, 50 Cent, LL Cool J, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Russell Simmons, and Nas, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that era just took it to the next level. You know, there's a couple others in there. You know, even Akinelli. It's, it's so much talent coming Don't forget out of the Queens. mob. The mob and, and CNN, too. CNN you know, and the obviously, mob. Obviously. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, no question with the mob. The mob is, I mean, like I said, you know, um, third floor. My family and having they live on the same floor. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul, my cousin, hell of a rapper. You know, you know, Nature has my family to go to his house, Carmega. He was, uh, he was at my first NBA game from there. Wow. Um, 
obviously, you know, MC Shane performed at my movies. He's all my he's all my people, you know, obviously we're not like tight because like in the hood it's like a city, so you have drama with certain people. Like certain 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 blocks you have a real killer beef with each other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you gotta somehow navigate that and be neutral, you know, in those circumstances. So not everybody's not it, it, it's not always kumbaya, so to speak. But at the same time, Queensbridge is very proud and we know that we stick together we you know when, when times when times get tough, you know, and, and, and that that's been my whole thing, you know, the whole time. When uh when you look back I mean, you had a tremendous career. I mean, Nabate just went through, you know, all the stuff that you accomplished. I mean, you know, coming from Queensbridge, you know, to LaSalle and the St. John's and then, you know, all the stuff you did in the pros, defensive player of the year, all-star, won a championship. Do you ever, you know, you're done with the game now. Do you look back now and just, like, marvel at what you were able to accomplish or is it, or do, have you even had enough time to do that? What was accomplished in terms of what? So yeah, I mean, when you look back on all you were able to accomplish, like your NBA career, right, right. all the stuff, man, you know, coming from Queens and St. John's, um, LaSalle, you know, do you know? Do you look back at it? Like, you know, I look at it like, wow, like, you know, all you know, all the stuff you were able to do, are you able to look back at that also and say, and marvel at what you accomplished? Or is it just like, you know, I'm moving on to the it's next thing? It's not really impressive. It, it, it's only impressive when... It's not really impressive because I have high standards. So, like, uh-huh. but when I look at it from where I'm from, yeah, no question about it. But when I look at it from where I was supposed to be, you know, the brawl, the brawl kind of derailed mm-hmm. a lot of my awards and a lot of my accolades that you want as a basketball player. You want it's not about you or being selfish. It's about dreams, right? And those I had it at the palm of my hand, mm-hmm. you know. So. It's not as impressive, you know. I got, I got a defensive player of the year. I was all star, third team all NBA, two time first team all defense, two time second team all defense, you know, champion, you know, borderline Hall of Famer. Like, that's pretty cool, mm-hmm. you know, but there's still things that I was missing. Um, but I'm fulfilled, but I'm talking about my basketball, you know, career. It's, it's things I'm missing from, from the career I won in the NBA, right? You know, specifically but you know the cool thing now when you get older you understand more you know the nba is a business and right. basketballs you know content nba is a content media company and, you know with all the outlets now you can actually reinvent or recreate some moments in basketball with social media and stuff and actually generate some revenue doing it so i'm not as you know disappointed you know, now that I'm into, like, the basketball business world and sports and content media and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it's a business. You know, these, these awards that I won in, you know, it doesn't really make or break me. Right. Um, so, yeah, kind of look at things a little bit differently. Meta, um, the documentary really talked about, um, you know, the moments where once the, the phrase zero to 100 would always come up, you know, and... How tough was it for you during living at the highest pinnacle, being at a place of the National Basketball Association that you were looking to, that you were aspiring to make, and you were playing at such a high level? Talk about the struggle of of your mental illness and the bipolar, 
um, things that were going on that, that kind of derailed some things a little bit. Talk about how difficult it was, uh, that tug of war, and how it really well, affected it you. I mean, it wasn't with mental illness. That's the only part that got kind of wrong. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it depends on what is a mental illness. Uh, and it's very important to educate people. So depression is a mental illness, and yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if, um, but, you know, if anxiety is a mental illness, then yeah. But I think sometimes, you know, people could, people just not as educated. So those are certain things I wish would have been different in the doc. Mm-hmm. You know, um, sometimes people get beside themselves and they start pushing out messages they think it's best for you and it's really not. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, the, you know, one of the main things that was, one of the main uh, points would have been the post-traumatic stress from being from living in a neighborhood like that. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, it was more it was more focused on the mental health on the mental illness rather than you know the eighties, right. the drugs and stuff. Like that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that could cause things to trigger. But I feel like you know the messaging could have been more direct. Sometimes you know when you dealing with politics, you you want to you know you tend not to get as direct. Hmm. You know, um, but. Overall, I felt like it was it was done pretty well, you know, very entertaining. Um, but you know, definitely, um, I don't want people from the hood to think because they're crazy or because they look crazy from the outside or because they're making mistakes that they have mental illness. I don't want people from the hood to think that. Mm-hmm. Like we understand that you, you know. So I tell my people sometimes, like some of my friends, at 15 years total different stints in prison, 23 years, 25 years in prison. I tell them all the time, like, my dude, you never had a chance. I don't know if you do that. Right. You never had a chance. Mm. Because, um, if, 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 you know, when you, on average, I don't even know the percentage, but, you know, maybe a 0.5% is going to make it to the NBA, maybe a percent of 2% going to actually graduate college. Right. You know, so, you know, I don't mean, like, to say they, they didn't never make it and they don't have no shot, but I'm just saying, like, it's set up, my dude, the way you don't have a chance. You never had a chance, so I don't feel bad. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. The um, the PTSD, uh, just from living in neighborhoods, and even to a certain extent, living in New York at that time. And we we grew up, you know, as grew black, up in New York, as black males, in, or, you know? in in the eighties and nineties, New York, I early nineties, New York really was a different time. Mm-hmm. Back then, I mean, back then, the only way you really could hold yourself down, you had a gun, you pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was it. Like, you couldn't really go to someone and say, hey, please don't sell drugs in my neighborhood or right. on my block. Because if you do that, you're going to get shot anyway. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you can't snitch because you snitch, everybody's dying. Mm-hmm. Right? So, the best, you know, some people, you think you, you can you could pull a trigger, you know, you could kill someone and hopefully, you know, don't get caught. You know what I'm saying? But, that's that's those options that we have, especially like if you want to play Robin, right? You know, if you want to play a good guy, a superhero in the hood, you know, <laughs> you could you, you could you know you knock off a few people, right. but you know then what that's going to really accomplish. So, you know, in our neighborhood, you know, you 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 just fall, you know, subject to just getting along with everybody in this little crab bucket. Right. You know, you try to find, you try to carve out some space to play some basketball or just some positive things. You know, so it's just not a healthy environment. Talking about 
the, getting back to your, your your NBA career, you mentioned it was interesting. You mentioned uh, the you know obviously the the incident in Detroit, the malice in the palace or whatever. Um, and you and you mentioned I never I didn't, never really heard you say that before that you you really thought it negatively affected the rest of your career. Like what like in what way? Like what way do you think it took away from from your career? Yeah, you know, just um, but the I would say just the um, I just didn't really want to play anymore. That was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really um, I wasn't really training. Like, I was off a whole year. Mm-hmm. Like, I training like running on the treadmill. I think Jay Z said it in the verse, running on treadmill, going over there fast or something like that. Right. You know, I was training, but you know, I have a whole year. Right. So you get distracted a little bit. Right. Well, and 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 that. And it was interesting that led to, you know, with you, you know, coming back to Indiana and wanting to immediately leave, like, um, and it's really poignant because in the 2000, after the 2010 championship, the post-game presser, you made sure you reached out to your Indiana Pacer teammates like Jermaine O'Neal, Stephen Jackson, Donnie Walsh. Well, Donnie Walsh was the GM and Larry Bird was the president and everything. So, um you know, like, talk about how that was really tough for you at that time to be able to stay, I guess, quote unquote, loyal. But then you knew and realized that years later. Talk about like those feelings, especially when you were um, acknowledging them at the press conference. I just thought it was important. You know, they helped me. I felt like I just wanted to acknowledge, you know, people who was able to help me get to where I was at. I always acknowledge people that helped me out, even my heart to this day. You know. Um, I really appreciate the people that helped me out, my mom, my dad, and those people who came across my life to help me out. You know, and I wanted to make sure I just like say thank you. Well, and uh, now situation involving a, f- a, f- a, f- a spectator and a player, Game Three, NBA Finals, a couple of nights ago, Kyle Lowry was diving for a loose ball. A fan got involved, put his hands on Lowry. What was your take on that moment? And did you think the fan was rightfully disciplined? Well, not fan, but in, fan and investor of of the Warriors. But what was your take of that situation? I mean, I think um, for one, like I wasn't gonna, I wasn't preparing to come out situation until I read the uh, Instagram post for Undisputed. My buddy uh, Undisputed. I was Instagram post to say Metal lost five million and somebody was a hundred you know, finding the gentleman like five hundred grand is like somebody that's worth a hundred grand losing twenty two dollars or something like that. Right. Um you know, so I mean, for my suspension, I don't wanna I'm not saying like do what you did to me to him. That's not what I'm saying, but my so my suspension was way more severe, like I lost the the capital for that year, and then I lost every every single one of my endorsement deals, and then I lost all my commercials. So it was well north of five million dollars when you look at everything in total. Um, so I mean, I think the guy obviously had an issue. So I think he should get some community service. I think community service uh, and some type of uh, uh, anger management um, support to some institutions would be really cool. And I think um, no boxes, no no front row seats, no boxes. Just stay sit with the crowd. Right. I would, I, I, first, I wouldn't even ban them. I would just let them come to the game. It, 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 the ban is easy, I think. Right. You know, because like you don't have to face nobody. <laughs> I think sitting in the, with the fans would be like. Cause they, I think even the home fans would be pretty upset. So I think uh, community service, 
you know, I'll be because community service is annoying, man. <laughs> I don't care how much money you got, man. Right. Community services, I did community service, and I was like, it was, it was painful. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I think something like that. Because even if you lose twenty million, five hundred grand is not even a lot to somebody worth five million. Because if you worth five million, you lose five hundred grand, you're gonna you're gonna lose sleep like a, a week. You still got four point five. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you're not even tripping like that. You know, so even if you find them twenty million, that's now now you, now it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the money's not really a factor here. Maybe the money going to uh, organizations, right. you know, like for community for the Oakland community, the kids and things like that. That get I remember that get, was suggested. Get it going to get political. Get it going to get political. Like I just mm-hmm. feel like you know, it's like when I lost my money, they they, they took my money and gave it to United Health. Way on the United America, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I had no, I, I didn't even have no say so. Even right. though I, I heard that company's a good company, but I would have put the money in Queensbridge. Right. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. you're playing with other people's money. You know what I'm saying? So I think that just gets tricky. You know what I'm saying? I think like people could put their money where they want. I think I think the community service is even better because your time is your time is you know is more than money. You know that's like when I go to my neighborhood. You know, I I never had to pay anybody to anything from respect or whatever. It's the time, it's the love, it's the time. You know, and I think his time is more valuable, more uh, is just better spent doing community service in the neighborhoods. That might be kind of cool. I don't think necessarily needs the money. Money never changes anything. Sometimes it does, but mm. you, know, you can throw money at people and they don't change them. Right. Naturally enables them sometimes. Maybe him teaching uh, people what he knows. About business, that might even be bigger. Yes, uh, yeah. that's a that's an excellent idea. That's a good community, that's a that's a good community service right. right there. Right, no question. Are you are you paying attention to the to the finals at all? Are you are you watching them? I, I love the finals. It's my favorite final that I've ever seen in my life. I'm happy. Wow. I'm a little. I'm a little. Uh, I'm a little. Uh, I feel bad that people got injured because it was such a good finals. So I do feel bad, like everybody got injured. You know? Right. But it's Basketball is amazing. I'm really happy with. I'm really happy with basketball mm-hmm. right now. What do you What do you see? Uh, like, what's your take on this series? And uh, you know, so far, and, and you know, who do you like really? You know, to come out of it. Well, I had Toronto winning, regardless who played. Mm. You know, I had Toronto because I just felt like Kawhi Leonard. He may not be better than Kevin Durant. You know, mm-hmm. I just felt like he. Understands how to win. He is so laser focused, right? You know, and Stephen Curry is very laser focused also. And I just feel like you only can have five people on the floor, you know. And um, I just feel like it was better. But you know, we're forgetting. We're forgetting, or I'm forgetting that Kevin plays defense now. Mm-hmm. So he could have potentially made it really tough on Kawhi. I think Kawhi would have figured it out. Right, but, but but I think Kawhi would have had a couple games, maybe potentially where he had ten points. Who knows? Kevin is a really good defender. I'm so proud of him on a defensive end because that's what I love. Right, you know. So, but but basketball is in a really good state right now. I'm I'm, I'm more happy now or the last two years than I was five years ago or seven six years ago. I didn't I didn't really like how basketball was going a couple of years ago. What about uh What about your Lakers, man? Like, what's up? What do you What's your take on them? Uh, you know, everybody has something to say about the them. The Lakers are smooth, man. You, you good? They're good? The Lakers are smooth, working out. Uh-huh. Some's on vacation, Hawaii, Bahamas, you know, smooth. We, we, the Lakers is in Los Angeles. We forget about that. We forget, like, the Lakers is, 
you know, sunshine, great weather. Uh-huh. The Lakers is smooth sailing. Really? We, we, we chilling. We got 16 banners. We got 16 banners. And we can use those banners to sell. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. So you ain't, so, so you ain't, you ain't worried. You ain't worried at all. No, man. We're not worried. We're not worried. Because there's been a lot of dysfunction going on. That's yeah. why. <laughs> you good. You, know you good. The Lakers is providing content. Right. You know, for these brands to sell their product. No Everybody's question. living off the Lakers. You know, ESPN, Fox, Very you know, Tons and Lakers, Lakers, Lakers. You know, selling your product and buy it, advertising at 7 a.m. on Fox is hot. We're talking about the Lakers. You know, that's what that is. That's, that's good. Yeah. I, I like that. I like Lakers that. Small. We're going to be we're going to be straight. I mean, we just, you know what? At the end of the day, it's a competitive world, competitive league, competitive players. Everybody can't be the best. Right. Um, and the Lakers, is not, they know they're no more uh, special than the other team. Everybody goes through that rough right. patch. Every franchise goes through that rough patch, and the Lakers is going through it. But the Lakers had a really good owner in Dr. Buss who was able to let his workers work. He never got in the way. And that's why he... Uh, that's why he gave the keys to Jeannie. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, he, 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 she, Jeannie already know what it is. Right. And she and, and, uh, and Dr. Buss make investments that pay off over time. So Jeannie's, uh, Jeannie picked up on all that. She's making investments that's going to pay off over time. That's, that's financially and for, and for when she got LeBron James. Right. Mm-hmm. She's selling the, the leading jersey seller. So the business is going amazing. You know, no, they're not going to be in the red, and now they're going to be able to get more players. So I, I, I think she's she's going to come out looking very, very smart. Okay. Now, Meta, talk about Panda's friend. You know, you're found, you found uh, that organization, and, it's, and, and it pretty much emphasizes modern lifestyle. It's a modern lifestyle brand that embodies the symbolism of the panda and seeks to inspire positivity and healthy, balanced lifestyle. What Talk about the symbolism of the panda and talk about your, uh, your um, organization as well to bring more awareness to mental health. I think the panda, you know, I think it's a very unique animal uh, where you want to nurture it so, you know, it has a good life because it's going to come a point in time where you can't pick it up and you can't touch it anymore. They get big. And they become very independent. But when they're young, you see it at its most pure form. They are played with the best of the babies, man. Pandas are amazing. And they have that great symbolization on it, partly, partly because the Chinese culture and Buddhism, you know, kind of molded that, kind of that view of a panda with, uh, with yin and yang. And the panda very much symbolizes that yin and yang. So with fashion, people... Um, I take like their fashion in different ways. I'm very into basketball and mental health and uh, things like that. So that's what the Panda brand is for me. Um, and we're looking forward to, you know, getting more people excited about it, the pandasfriend.com, and uh, making more partnerships and, uh, you know, growing our brand. And, and we're hoping that it'll be a brand that people like and people like the way in the future. Yes, indeed. I mean, the website is great, and, and uh, definitely the brand is, is really flourishing. It's, once again, the pandas, 
S plural, so it's uh, T-H-E-P-A-N-D-A-S friend.com. Uh, so check out um, Meta's uh, uh, brand and check check out what he's doing, and it's uh, it's really wonderful. And and one more question before we let you go, Elton Brand, Lamar Odom, you came up with those brothers. You guys, all of you guys were drafted in the 1999 draft. You ended up playing with Elton in Chicago. Ended up winning a championship with Lamar years later, a decade later. How beautiful is that to um, to be able to play basketball with them professionally and and to grow up and share those experiences? How wonderful is that? I mean, um, to play with friends that you grew up with is amazing. Like me, and not only make it with one, but go play. Lamar played with Elton when Elton got traded. That's from right, the, the Bulls to the Clippers. The Clippers. That's team. right. <laughs> yep. You know what I'm saying? I was playing with Elton before that. Then I got drafted with. Lamar, I mean, I got I got uh, signed to the same team. Lamar was on the Lakers, and we all played with each other. That's amazing, man. That's an amazing, amazing thing, man. We all had a chance to experience each other. I wish we would have played on the same team. We definitely would have won some titles together, I think, in the NBA if we played on the same team. We, but, you know, I don't think we were talking that much to make something like that happen, but that would have been really, really cool if that could have happened. And where's Eric Barkley? Eric Barkley was on that Riverside Hawks AAU team, too. Eric Barkley, your St. John's teammate. How's he doing? You in touch with him? Um, Eric is, uh, you know, he has, he has a son that's playing ball mm. and he played a couple of years professional. So Eric did play some professional ball with the Blazers and Spurs. I mean, um, I remember seeing Eric at, at, before a layup line. I'm like, wow, man, he, he was the Portland Trail Blazers. I was at the Bulls. Uh-huh. It was so cool you know, right. to see Eric Barkley in the NBA. You know, it's amazing. Good stuff, good stuff. Oh, man, Meta World Peace, thanks a lot for joining us. We really appreciate it. You know, good luck with everything you're doing. The The documentary is great. I mean, it's a great watch, period. You know what I'm saying? For multiple reasons, you know, basketball, New York City history, uh, Queens history, Queensbridge history, your history. Uh, it was just a great watch. Quiet Storm, the Ron Artest story. Uh, Meta, man, thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. And we enjoy everything you're doing out there. And hopefully you'll join us again soon, man. Absolutely, man. I really appreciate y'all having me, giving us a pl- platform, you know, to talk about our projects and different things like that, you know. So I really appreciate it. All right, man. Yes, talk soon. Great stuff right there, man. Wow. Both uh, Deontay Wilder, uh, Meta World Peace. Great stuff. Nabate came through. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> got, got them both on. All kinds of stuff going on. We got the NBA Finals. We got to we got to uh, get ready to watch mm-hmm. um, the French Open final on French Sunday. French Open final, the, the male final will be interesting. Right, we'll if, see. if if Djokovic can be able to wins, hopefully he wins that in terms of you know just for the fan experience. Mm-hmm. The women is all messed up. The women, yeah, uh, I think it's Bar. Uh, I think the finals Barty and some other woman. I, don't even, I never even heard. Of her. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but you know I, now, I'm a tennis fan. But Jesus, come on. Now it's like the now it's like the men's tennis of all those years, right. 70s, 80s, and 90s. You had parity. Pretty much, and now, well, I mean, you still had the top players, but you yeah. had more parity. Yeah, because well, Serena, because she, you know, she's, she's was, getting up in age. That's right, Serena that was mm-hmm. dominating. Before that, it was uh, Mark Sellis, mm-hmm. uh, Martina Hangis, mm-hmm. and then before that, it was Steffi. Got a lot of good young uh, American players, though. You got Keys, Sloan yes. Stevens, uh, right. uh, Osaka, who's not, she's Japanese, but American also, mm-hmm. really. She grew up here. And Coco Vanderway, too, Coco you know, Vanderway. yeah, the, the, the niece of uh, Kiki. Yeah, and there's a few others I'm I'm leaving out, but um, yeah. So the, the tennis scene is great. Um, what else we got? Anything before we get out of here? 
Wow. Well, uh, no. Just, oh, want to plug uh, my next gig with yes, uh, of the great Christian McBride, who was the guest here uh-huh, uh-huh. on our Bros Pod uh, a few months ago uh, with Kenneth Shopshire, who was uh-huh. it was great to see him uh, at our gig, uh, Christian and myself's gig in uh, Phoenix. Yes, oh, indeed. Wow. Um, a couple months ago, but but yeah, we're playing uh, Christian McBride's big band, Dizzy Club, Coca Cola, Jazz and Lincoln Center, June 11th through the 16th. Times so oh seven thirty and nine thirty sets each night so a total of twelve sets ten through the sixteenth uh eleven, 11, 11 through, through the sixteenth Tuesday through Sunday I might have to check that out that's what I'm asking yeah. Sure. oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. make yeah. sure and let me know when you're coming by and yeah. uh, and then my website n a b a t e i s l e s dot com it went live this week nabatales dot com good stuff good stuff there definitely check out nabate um and that's gonna be a wrap for us. Uh, what up, Bill? Hope everything's good out there in Oakland. And we'll talk to, you know, Bill will be back with us next week. As always, uh, if you're listening to the show on iTunes, rate the show. Give us those five stars. Uh, leave a comment. Let us know what you want to hear, who you'd who you like to have on, all that good stuff. Uh, follow us and, and talk to us on Twitter at BrosPod. Uh, you know, check me out at Blackatologist. Check Nabate out at... NSI.Universal. You know what I'm saying? So... You know, we'll all, you know. We, on IG, IG. On yeah. IG. We're Twitter always, is different. The Bottle House, SMTA on Twitter. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, check check out uh, Bros Pod on IG at Bros Pod also. Um, and interact with us. It's always fun. And so we will, we're out of here. We'll see you next week or we'll hear you, you will hear us next week. And uh, until then, we're going to see what happens in this game four tonight. Uh, Golden State, Toronto. Pivotal game, as they say. Wait. Pivotal game. Um, and you know we see I got Golden State and the Bate has Toronto, so yes, we'll see we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right guys, peace. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.